the Orioles are doing it the right way. Look, if you're going to tank and, and go full refold, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> you got to, you know, you can't be half pregnant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should have got off the pot, man. <laughs> just do it. is that he's got too much fine tar and uh, you've got to have a certain amount of distance from the trademark of the bat and the fine tar. And Nettles is leaving the field as if the game is over. Bobby's just coming in. I'm not sure. Uh, they might have a legitimate uh, gripe. They might be going to call George Brett out. Well, the Yankees win. He's out. Yes, Brett is out. Look at, look at this. Brett is out. And he's demon back. He is out. And having to be forcibly restrained from hitting plate umpire Tim McClellan. And welcome back to another episode of Too Much Pod Tars. We continue our 30, po- 30 teams and 30 pods. And on the second episode of the series, it will be the Baltimore Orioles who had the second worst record in the majors, of course, at 54-108, and 108, last in the AL East. And for the show, we have uh, Orioles fan, avid Orioles fan Tommy Yoon on, who does a few things for Roto Grinders, uh, fantasy, uh, fantasy baseball for uh, DFS. And also joining me today is uh, Johnny Black from the Scorecrow. So uh, thanks for coming on, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Alex. Yeah, no problem. So, you know, obviously we got to talk about, you know, the pressing Orioles team, but, uh, you know, it was expected to be, they were expected to be bad. It's a rebuilding year. So they're going to be taking a few years till they, you know, get back to where they were. It's going to be a while, but they, at least they have a plan to get back into the playoffs, which is, is their hope. Yeah, that's that's the goal for everybody. And then uh, obviously they have, you know, Adley Rushman, who they picked number one overall last year in the draft. And you no, know, he's. I think he's he's definitely going to be a huge piece of the future. Definitely a huge piece. I mean, you know, for them drafting, you know, Rushman last year, you know, has really elevated their farm system. I mean, under Dan Duquette, you know, the farm system was pretty much one of the worst in all of baseball and recently they've jumped all the way into about, you know, being 11th, you know, ranked 11th in the farm system. So, you know, they're up and go, you know, they're up and coming now, you know, the prospects kind of look good. It's been a while since the O's had, you know, prospects like Rutschman and some of the other up and coming guys like Mountcastle and Diaz as well. Yeah. Sure. And uh, before I go any farther, I just want to say that you follow uh, Tommy on Twitter at BigAsian35, and then almost uh, I'm also on Twitter at at Alex Keeler, and uh, Johnny's on Twitter at JBall0202. Yeah. And then the score follow the scorecard at the scorecrow. So yeah, then uh, first kind of just to start off, the first topic I want to go over is just you know what are some of the positives that you took. Took away from the Orioles' 
2019 season. Like, if you can take any positives from it. I'll start with Tommy. Yeah, there's, <clears throat> there were a few positive with the O's this year. I mean, if you look at on the hitting side, <clears throat> you know, they had a few 30, you know, homer guys in Mancini and Nunez. Uh, it seems like, Man, you know, Man, Trey Mancini, he's going to be the, you know, face of the franchise here the next couple of years. You know, he's developed into a very nice hitter. You know, Nunez was a surprise, you know, 31 you know, home run hitter with 90 RBIs ending the season, uh, <clears throat> as well as, you know, Santander was another nice surprise. You know, when they brought him up, you know, he came up with 18 home runs and ended up with, you know, 51 RBIs. And <clears throat> another guy that they, you know, picked up in the offseason was Jonathan VR. And what a nice season he came up with, with 24 home runs and, you know, 40 stolen bases. He actually had a four war as well, too. So, and then their all-star pitcher, you know, John Means, you know, that was another nice surprise. You know, that was probably the only bright spot about their pitching as you know, they probably had the, you know, the worst pitching staff in all of baseball. But it was nice to have a nice surprise with John Means. Uh, you know, he was an all-star. He had a 111 whip. You know, came up with 10 wins. So, you know, they had a little decent core that they could work around with and hopefully build for the future. As you said that, I was actually going to just look up, like, some of, like, big Rule 5 drafts, like, picks to see what, what the biggest ones were. Johan Santana has to be the biggest one. Uh, he, to be, he was borderline a Hall of Famer. He should have been a Hall of Famer. But that's another story. <laughs> Dan Uglow was one. <laughs> Dan Uglow. Wow. <laughs> I remember him, Dan. <laughs> wow, Dan Ugla. Shane Victorino. Oh, yeah, Shane Victorino. Uh, he's old. Dan Ugla was a beast for like two years in Miami. And then all of a sudden, he was like, crap. Yeah, Santana's number one. He's uh, And Dan Ugla's second. Fernando Vina is three. Fernando Vina, really? He was a yeah, he was that shortstop. Okay, yeah. I remember him getting elbowed by Albert Bell. Yeah. It's like a basis. That was one of the worst contracts by the O's signing Albert Bell in a five-year, $76 million uh-huh. deal at that time. No, but he was a beast back then, though. Albert he was, Bell was but when the, the O's signed him when he had his degenerative hip and he retired after two years into his contract. And the O's yeah. were stuck. Yeah, they stop three years of dead money. Yeah. Abba Bell was a he could hit. He could hit. Oh man, I remember those nineties teams. Oh shit, Graham Lloyd was one too. Graham Lloyd, the old Australian. Yeah. Big old lefty. Yeah. Joaquin Soria. Shit. <laughs> Wow. Oh yeah, Josh Hamilton. It's a shame about him with the freaking drugs. He didn't. That didn't happen to him. He probably would have been a beast, like he it was. was Hamilton, man. Yeah. yeah. First pick overall. Yeah. He was. What an amazing talent he was. If he never yeah. got into any of that, I wonder what, like, how great of a career he would have had. Just think, he was so good, and he was drafted first overall. 
And then he came back after fighting all that, came back and dominated. Mm-hmm. Think of how good he could have been if he would have just, like in the beginning, would have just been the first pick overall and just dominated from them. He he was he was the next Ken Griffey. Yeah, honestly, dude, he was like the dude was the dude was that awesome. And he, was the, he was the guy that could do it all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look what he did when he came back, and he came back when he was what twenty nine, thirty years old. Came back from like a drug addiction and everything. Could you imagine if he never? Had those problems all those years. Could have just been that guy. Yeah. Incredible. So I guess uh next thing it would be just to, like kind of go over like what the Orioles ceiling is for the twenty twenty season and then the, their floor, like what your what's your prediction is for the record. We'll go right ahead, Tommy. Yeah, Tommy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's going to be another 100-loss season for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, for them, you know, they lost VR and, you know, they lost Bundy. So, you know, with their rotation now, you know, the rotation's in question. You know, the only, you know, three guys that they consider in the rotation right now is Alex Cobb, John Means, and uh, Asher Wojciechowski. So those are the three, and they got to fill out the rest of it, and, you know, the bullpen was atrocious last year. You know, they couldn't hold anything down. And if, we'll see if they can improve from that, from last, you know, from last year. But, you know, I pretty much expect them to be another 100-loss team, you know, to end up with a top-five pick again in the draft. Um, you know, I don't – you know, and losing VR, I don't know if you're going to be able to replace that, you know, production with someone else. And so, you know, the hitting could probably take a little hit, you know, a little bit of a hit. But, you know, the best I think they'll do is, you know, if everything goes right, you know, they could be possibly, you know, a 70 win team. But, you know, that would, you know, that would be a dream season for them if, if everything were to fall into place. But, you know, I don't think anything's going to get better for them. This coming up here, you know, their goal is pretty much for the future, for the, you know, to develop prospects. Yeah. I don't think you can expect much from the O's, you know, f- you know, for this upcoming season. You know, they're going through the process. You know, they have a plan developed for the future. You know, the next three years, you know, drafting the top five, that should be the core that they're going to be building around, starting with Rutschman the number two pick that they pick up this year and then next year's draft as well. You know, they'll be on their way and hopefully in a few years, you know, they'll start, you know, knocking on the door for the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with that. It's going to take another year or two easily. You know, Rutschman this year, next year with draft second pick. Get someone else that you can build around, you know. Hopefully they find something, you know, with these draft picks. And the guys they're building their farm with, 
as far as like the four guys they got for Bundy and stuff like that, you know, they can build a little organizational strength. So, yeah, that's about it. But I don't think I don't think the Orioles are going anywhere in the next couple of years. It's going to be a while. They're trying to do it the right way. Yeah, yeah. This is it. This is the rebuild, full rebuild. What year do you think they end up? You know, the rebuild being over. Like, if you want, if you had to, like predict, twenty-three. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Yeah, I agree. Twenty-three. Yeah, that's reasonable. Yeah. I think Rushman comes up before then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, still Mancini and stuff like that, but. I mean, it's still going to take pitching. Yeah, John Means, they just got rid of Bundy. I mean, I wrote up, when I wrote up the Orioles article, I also talked about Hunter Harvey. People forget about him. He was the top draft pick for the Orioles, like, years ago. He's 25 years old right now. He's getting healthy. So we'll see. You know... I think you're going to see him next year, Hunter Harvey. And I think I he's think, going to be – he might be good. So it might be someone that, you know, accelerates this thing. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I I got some faith in him. You know, I talked about him in the article that I did. And I think Hunter Harvey could be someone that's a surprise for the Orioles. Over the next couple of years. He's definitely a guy that went through a lot of arm trouble and he's finally healthy now. So, you know, yeah. with a full spring training and, you know, I don't know how far, how deep he can go into games. I know when they brought him up in September, he was pretty much only pitching at most an inning or two at most. So I don't know how much they can stretch his arm out, but. He still's got, you know, he still has giddy up on his arm, so he could be a valuable piece coming out of the bullpen as well too. You know, some of these pitchers we've seen in the past, you know, sometimes the starting pitchings that, you know, for the O's, you know, they've done it in the past before where, you know, Jose Mesa was a top prospect and they converted him to a closer. You know, the same yeah. thing with Brian Mattis as well too. They, you know, he. He didn't pan out well enough. They convert him into a lefty specialist. So sometimes with some of these guys, you know, you know, either they've gone through some injuries or they just don't pan out, but they still have stuff. You can convert them to the pen. And, you know, now those guys only have to worry about an inning or two instead of having to go through five. So, you know, Hunter Harvey for next year, he could actually bolster their bullpen possibly if he can't be stretched out to go five. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Hunter Harvey could be a closer. I mean, with his stuff, you know, if his stuff comes back and what he showed last year and his rehab and everything, I mean, he's got the stuff. So maybe he's a closer. Maybe he's not a starter. So at least it gives you a piece of the bullpen. That's all I'm saying. Like, at least it gives you a piece of the puzzle that's going to build this team. 
So Hunter Harvey, yeah, granted, maybe he's not an ace anymore, uh, as once they thought he once was, but maybe he's a closer. And the back end of your bullpen's all set. You know, so uh, who knows? Who knows? But I think uh, the Orioles are going in the right direction. They're getting rid of the guys that they need to get rid of. They're getting the prospects. They're building their farm. That's what it takes. You know, we've all seen it. We've all seen the rebuild from the Cubs to the Astros. All these teams to the Braves. Look what they did, but they rebuilt. You know, I haven't won anything yet, but they're there. So, I mean, most teams can't be like the Red Sox or the Yankees and spend, you know, two, three hundred million dollars on, you know, on their roster. You know, a lot of the teams are going to have to do, you know, what the Cubs and the Astros, you know, even what the Nats have done in the past, you know, draft, create a core, and then go from there, you know, continue to build. And that's how you can build, you know, longevity in the team. I mean, it's amazing when you see, you know, these teams in Houston, the Nats, you know, the Cubs, the young players that they still have to build around. Yeah. You know, they're going to be playoff contenders, you know, for, you know, the next 10 years or so. And that's what the O's are trying to strive for. Yeah. And the, the big name teams, like the, like you said, like the Yankees, Red Sox, they can afford mistakes. See, there's a lot of teams that can't afford mistakes. See, the Yankees can sign someone like Jacoby Ellsbury to a seven-year deal, $20 million a day. They can eat that contract for the last few years. When was the last time Ellsbury showed up on the field? <laughs> they can eat that contract. And it, it doesn't affect them. Red Sox can do the same thing. The Dodgers can do the same thing. The Astros seemingly can do the same thing. The Cubs, too. But it comes back at some point. The Cubs and Astros are seeing now. It comes back to you at some point. You can't eat all these contracts. You know, the Yankees, the Yankees, for all they've done and for as much as success as they've had, they ate the Ellsbury contract, the Shara contract, the Sabathia contract. For all these years, the A-Rod contract, they ate that. They were still successful. They haven't won anything, but they were still successful because they could eat it and still sign players. Where they're on a different level to the teams like the Angels, the Twins, the Indians, the Brewers, the Cardinals, you know, mid-market teams that can go out and sign players, but if they sign a player for a lot of money for a long-term deal and it doesn't work out, it kills them. Whereas it doesn't kill a franchise like the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Red Sox, blah, blah, blah. 
And that's where the difference is. That's where the money difference is. I understand the luxury taxes is what it is, and that's fine. There needs to be a floor. I don't agree with a salary cap in baseball, but I agree with the salary floor. And just because the Rays are successful doesn't mean that that's that it should be the be all end all of things. I think it, it hurts a lot of other teams when there's no floor. Yeah, with no floor, they don't end up not spending any money. They don't spend anything. I mean, Oakland's pretty much the same way, too. I mean, yeah, I guess you can say Moneyball. I mean, you got to spend a little bit to be able to get there, too, and, you know, reward some of the players that you have. You know, it's hard to operate for any of these franchises to kind of, you know, not spend and win, you know, but, you know, the Rays are trying to prove that, you know, they're able to do that. You know, Oakland's trying to prove that they can do that as well, too. But longevity-wise, I don't know how long you can go through can't. doing that. Not you can't. at all. And, and that's the problem, is that there is no floor. And there's no expectation of spending money. This, this is part of the problem, is that, like, say, all right, the NFL, the players' union negotiated I think it was 53% of the revenue is going to player salaries. So that's where the that's where the salary cap comes from. Is that 53% of like the revenue of the NFL goes to player salary. There is nothing no sort of agreement like that with baseball. So baseball has, like, you know, you can spend whatever you want. Granted, there's no salary cap. There's a luxury tax. But there's no salary cap, no floor. There's, no, there's no, nothing that says that the owners have to spend a certain amount, which I kind of disagree with. There should be money put back into your team. So I think... As an owner of a team, you should have to put back the money you make should be 53 or 50% or whatever it may be, whatever's negotiated should be go back going back into your players. It it's like that in every other sport. There's a percentage of that of the ownership. That goes into your player. And I think baseball needs to look into this. And I think it will, will be looked into. I mean, we got two years and the CBA is coming up. So and that's going to be an interesting one coming up. I just hope it's not a strike. I don't think it'll be a strike. I, 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 think, I, I, I think it's going to be amicable. To a point, there, there may be a, a couple sticking points, but I, I I don't think that 
the players or the owners can complain right now about contracts. I really don't. So I don't think that's going to be a big sticking point. I think the sticking point is going to be the rookie contract and the arbitration. That's going to be the sticking point. The years that you get a rookie contract and the years that you get arbitration and this whole, if you hold the guy out for the first two weeks and he doesn't show up, you know, I think that type of thing is going to be modified. But for the most part, I don't see a big disagreement between the owners and the players. I really don't. I don't see what the disagreement would be. Really, if you guys have anything, if you think there's a disagreement between the owners and the players, let me know. Because I, I just don't see it. I don't think there's that much of, of a gap. Well, hopefully, you know, with the new CBA that they could reward younger players money sooner. So, you know, I don't I don't see ever a salary cap ever happening. I don't think – I don't – I could never see that happening at all. Right. But, you know – you could probably eventually see a floor happening, especially when you're seeing too many, you know, teams tanking and not spending. I mean, even look, you know, look at the Chicago White Sox. You know, they're they're pretty much tanking. The O's are tanking. You know, for a while, you know, Houston was tanking too as well. You know, if you look at you know half of MLB, you know half the teams can tank, and then the other half will try to compete. You know, for playoff spots and. You know, that's not what you want. You don't want half the, you know, half the league terrible and the other half just really good. You know, you want, you know, good competition overall. And, you know, to be able to do that, you're probably going to have to create a floor. You know, you, you want to be able to play games. You never know what could happen unless they play. You know, numbers can say, you know, can only tell you, you know, up to a certain point. So, you know, we'll see what the future holds. You know, but if teams continue to tank here in the next couple of years here, you know, more teams tank. I mean, even look at Cleveland, you know, Cleveland, you know, they might not spend any money. They're thinking of trading Kluber away and, you know, God knows what they're going to do with Lindor as well, too. So, Trading Lindor, oh, my God. Like a horrible thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's that treasure in the twins? I'm not fine with it. <laughs> See what happens. Yeah, so I guess I guess that'll wrap it up on the on the podcast. This Orioles episode of the thirty teams and thirty pods. Uh, be sure to check it out on all podcast platforms and be on the lookout for the next episode which will be the Marlins at some point next week uh, right now it's looking that uh, Wednesday as long as everything lines up and if anybody knows any Marlins fans out there then send them my way at Alex Keeler on Twitter because I can use some 
Marlins fans to talk on the podcast about their team. So definitely, if you have any, if you know of anybody, tell them to hit me up on Twitter. So yeah, that was another great episode. Thanks for coming on, Tommy, and obviously Johnny too. Thank you for having me on, Alex. Great stuff. And then you'll you're obviously always welcome if you want to come on another time. Much appreciated. It was great talking, Johnny. Yeah, great talking to you too, Tom. Yeah. Awesome stuff, man. All right. And then be sure to follow our Twitter uh, or the Scorecard Twitter uh, at the Scorecrow and check out all our articles. As we have, you know, I have new articles about uh, free agent signings coming out every time there's a new, new big signing. And uh, we'll be on the lookout for all these big moves, you know, when Garrett Cole is signed, Strasburg, Rendon, all the big guys. And be sure to never have too much pod tar. <laughs>